the, uh, the emperor of uh, Rome, and he was a, uh, an overt uh, persecutor of Christians. He, he became emperor uh, at quite a young age, at, at 17, and his rule became uh, increasingly wicked. Uh, they kind of they gauge the first three to five years of his reign was, uh, was tame, and he kind of he, he did a few good things, but the longer he reigned, the, uh, the more terrifying uh, it became. You, you only have to look at his attempts to, uh, to kill his mum to, uh, to see what kind of character he was. Uh, after several attempts at uh, poisoning, poisoning her failed, um, he had engineers construct a collapsible ceiling in her room so it would actually fall on her when she slept. Uh, which is like, that's brilliant. That's like a feat of engineering, you know, it's, it's amazing. But uh, a security breach uh, foiled that plot uh, before it got started. Uh, and then Nero uh, settled on a specially crafted ship that once his mother was on board uh, would uh, fall to pieces in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It's brilliant. Like, it's, it's, like, I'm <laughs> it's like, dude, you could maybe just be a little more frank about it. Uh, and anyway, that, that went to plan. The ship fell to pieces and he was frustrated by the fact that she actually swam to a, a nearby island and survived. Uh, so ultimately, he just sent soldiers to finish the job. Uh, and, and that was it. And it's like, you could have done that a uh, couple of uh, million dollars before that. Anyway, so towards the, the, uh, the point of the story is towards the end of his life, um, Nero formulated a plan to, um, to burn parts of the city of Rome in order to expand his palace. He wanted to build for himself a, 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 essentially a palace of gold and he didn't have enough space so he, um, he decided to, to burn down parts of the city so he could expand. And um, so he had teams of arsonists uh, light separate fires around the city uh, for him so, so as not to cast suspicion on him. Um, and, and the fires raged uh, through Rome for about six days and a, a rumour emerged uh, that... Uh, and uh, Emperor Nero was, would kind of sit up in his palace and play the harp in the evening while watching the flames engulf the city. Um, and and uh, obviously that, the rumour cast uh, doubt on him. And uh, in order to avoid suspicion, he needed a scapegoat. So Nero turned uh, against uh, the, um, you know, his, his, the answer to his dilemma was found in the universal contempt for Christians. Um, for the, f- against the early church. And this is, uh, Tacitus records this. I'll read this. He says, Nero substituted his culprits and punished with the utmost refinements of cruelty a class of men loathed for their vices whom the crowd styled Christians. Vast numbers were convicted, not so much on the count of arson as for hatred of the human race. And derision accompanied their end. They were covered with wild beasts' skins and attacked by dogs. I'm just guarding my words there because of kids, but you can imagine the kind of pain uh, that came of that. Or they were fastened on crosses and when daylight failed, were burned to serve as lamps. Even as the Apostle Paul made his appeal to Caesar in an attempt to receive Roman justice, the Christians were viewed a foreign and deadly superstitions. So for, for Christians in the early church, uh, life was hard. Uh, that's almost an understatement, right? Like as, as I, I read that, uh, they faced uh, persecution and oppression uh, from Rome and they were killed for their faith. And I'm, I'm sure that there was a cry for God's power. 
to intervene. God, would you topple Nero? Would you humble him uh, before your greatness? Uh, to some degree, we, um, we face a similar hardships around the world today. You know, all over the world, Christians are being persecuted and killed for their faith. Uh, like that's happening, like today, um, regularly. Uh, you only have to look at, at Iraq and Syria and North Korea, uh, the top among many, many uh, countries where uh, Christians are being persecuted and killed. Um, listen to a, a summary of North Korea from Open Doors. This, uh, Open Doors is a ministry that serves uh, persecuted Christians globally. They say this, Christianity is not only seen as opium for the people, as is normal for all communist states, it's also seen as deeply Western and despicable. Christians try to hide their faith as far as possible to avoid arrest and being sent to labor camps with horrific conditions. Thus, one's Christian faith usually remains a well-protected secret, and most parents refrain from introducing their children to the Christian faith in order to make sure that nothing slips their tongue when they are asked. I, I, I can't imagine not telling my kids about Jesus for fear that if they slip something in public that they would be taken and that they'd be oppressed. Like my, that, is, that is a distant world for me. Like my daughter sings nothing but the blood of Jesus in coals. Like, in this, like out loud to everyone. And I couldn't imagine the fear that would grip my heart. You know, what if they take my kids from me because one of my kids slips out something about Jesus? Like that, that, is, um, that is very present for people around the world. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 uh, says uh, about the body and speaking of his church, if one member suffers, uh, all suffer. All members suffer uh, in some degree. Uh, not, only, not only that uh, globally, but um, we're seeing the growing uh, devastation of secularism in our own nation and, and the, um, just the injustice that follows closely behind regularly i look around and i I just i'm dumbfounded sometimes at uh, at public discourse like is this is this actually happening you know where is uh where is god where is his power to uh to silence people and to make things right you may you may i don't know you may be with me in that looking around and just going what is this like what is happening where is god and what will he do about this um, even in what appears to be uh, a, a peaceful or a godly nation, there's hardship and there's trouble. Um, don't, don't ignore uh, what is right in front of us uh, because you know, others seem to have it worse. Um, there is still trouble and hardship in our own nation and, and even personally. It might hit home uh, more for you when you kind of consider your own life. And, and the trouble that exists there. You know, for my, I, I think of my mum. Like, you know, my dad uh, abandoned my mum when, when we were young. There's three kids, and, uh, and he just kind of called it quits. And, and uh, one of the things that was um, uh, difficult in that is he, is he never contrib- uh, contributed anything towards mum. Uh, dads, when they leave the family, are supposed to maintain some sort of responsibility financially for their kids. Uh, but dad just said, no, thanks. Um, so mum uh, had to raise us kids and work at the same time for at least half a decade and, and it was really hard um, and we kind of didn't had no idea about that until we grew up 
and we're kind of asking mom like what 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 was that like and um and you just you know you kind of see it you see it all around you uh, maybe um i don't know maybe for you maybe you you got your own sort of hardships going on in your life maybe your body isn't working uh, the way it's supposed to and it's been really defeating uh, like maybe there's uh, infertility or there's physical sickness or an impairment or, or maybe you've suffered at the hand of someone else you know like someone has oppressed you or persecuted you or abused you uh, maybe you're, you're just feeling really weak and you're despairing and death death seems to be reigning and uh and it kind of just kind of gets you it kind of rattles you a bit and you just go where is god's power in that you know that Paul talks about? Where is that power? Is life, is life any more than just grit your teeth and bear it? Like, is that it? Is that my lot? The, um, the Ephesians were suffering. But Paul knows this. When Paul writes this letter, he's writing, he's writing from prison. He's, Paul's not in the dark as to what's going on for the Ephesians. He's not in the dark as to the hardships of life and the trials of life and the persecution that the early church is going through. But, but notice this. Notice this about his prayer for them. He doesn't mention suffering once, right? Like he doesn't mention that at all, the entire prayer. He doesn't pray at all, God, would you remove them from their suffering, like, it's like, well, thanks a lot, mate. Like, thanks for caring. He knows exactly what's going on for him. He's heard reports. He knows about the church and he's praying for them in light of that. And he doesn't pray that God would remove their suffering or their hardship. What he actually prays is that you would know God's power toward you. That's what he prays for the church. And that's what I think we need. In the middle of trouble, we need to know God's power toward us. So I think there's four ways that we see God's power in, uh, in this text. And we're going to focus on the second half of the text from uh, verse uh, nine, or 19b onwards because last week we covered the uh, earlier section. Here's the four ways. The first way is we see God's power in raising Christ from the dead. Verse 19 says, According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. People live in fear of death. Like it, it rules a lot of our decisions and the things that we do and, and the, you know, the decisions that we make about our lives and about our, our relationships. Fear of death is a very common thing. Now, if you, if you kind of look at it, uh, really, uh, death is, is potentially the, the second strongest power that exists, second to God, because death, <laughs> you know, we kind of think Satan, you know, he's obviously uh, an enemy and he's, he's a power that at some degree kind of reigns in the world around us, but death comes for us all. Like, no one's getting away from that. You know, like, death is coming and, and people kind of live in fear of death, so... You know, if God wants to kind of display his power a little bit, you know what he's going after? He's going after death. And, and he's almost, in raising Christ, it's a show of force. God exerted his power most clearly when he raised Christ from the dead and overcame death once and for all. 
So in Christ, we never taste death. Like we don't ever taste death. Hear the words of, uh, of Paul. Oh, death, where is your sting? So we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear from death anymore, from people, from illness, from uh, the kingdom of darkness, because God is powerful over death and he's purchased for us eternal life. I really pray that that's a joy for you. That, that it is a joy to you that you will never taste death. Um, I'll always remember a message that John uh, Piper preached and, on, uh, and, he, and he spoke uh, about following Christ. And he said uh, to his congregation, what's the worst that can happen? You die. Just going, yeah, that's, like, yeah, that's the worst. Like, that's pretty bad. And the way that he spoke about it and the way that he held it so lightly. And not that he's like sadistic. He's like, you know, come at me. He's just like, no, seriously, think about it. Like the worst thing that could happen in your life today is that you die. And you get to be with Jesus for eternity, right? Like I, I, I hope it's a great joy to you. That, that God exerted his power by overcoming death, so you never have to experience it. The second thing I think we see, uh, the second way I think we see God's power, is uh, God's power in exalting Christ above all. See uh, verse uh, 22 uh, to 21, And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Christ sits above all. He is exalted above all. Christ is uh, the final authority. Christ gets the final say. So if there's injustice in your life, it is a great hope to you that Christ rules because he'll make everything right. Like that, that is a great hope. So, you know, Christ rules over demonic power, over, over government, over kind of authorities that, that rule uh, in this world. Christ rules over his church as well in a, in a different sort of manner. He rules his church through sanctification and love. And he's going to make everything right. His, uh, Christ's authority and reign doesn't mean that we won't suffer or face hardships, but it means that that suffering won't be in vain. It's not a waste. Listen to what one um, uh, commentator says about this. Christ's reign and protection of his people does not guarantee that we will not face hardship, trials, and suffering as long as this present sinful order exists. For he has promised that suffering will be the lot of his people until his return. What we can be confident of on account of our Saviour's reign, is that we will be vindicated on that last day, proving that our suffering for His sake is never in vain. Cling to that in, uh, in injustice and in suffering. We see God's great power. We witness God's power in raising Christ from the dead and exalting Him above all authority. Let's bring it a little bit closer to home. We see God's power toward us. Like that's what uh, Paul's doing in this verse. He's doing, listen to verse 19. 
what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? This isn't like a general sort of power that's out there, but it's actually harnessed toward those who call Christ their own. We see his power in giving Christ to the church as its head. Verse 22, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. He gave Christ as head over everything to the church. What a glory for Christians to be the body of which Christ is the head. Like that he would associate with us so. God gave Christ to be our head. Head uh, here uh, means authority and source. Who knows that a child needs authority, right? And that we are very much like children a lot of the time. <laughs> like Hardship comes, I'm out, no thanks. You know, I'll, I've got this, just going to hit the escape pod, I'm jumping ship. You know, you guys can, you know, all the best. Who knows that we need Christ's authority, His loving concern and correction and, and rebuke and source. You know, the people of um, ancient Mediterranean world believe the head gave life to the body. Now, we know that's ridiculous, but you can see the illustration there that, that uh, Paul's using is the head giving life and supplying and nourishing the body. Who knows we need a source, right? Like, are you feeling weak? Listen to Christ in, uh, in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I am the head of my church and I will sustain it. And fourthly, we see God's power in the church being Christ's fullness. But don't, don't miss this. I think this, this is incredible. Verse 23. I'll read verse 22 to, to give you context. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that, like, it's, it's pretty clear, right? The church is God's or is Christ's fullness. You know, he gave him Christ as head over all things of the church. So God gave Christ to the church, which is his body, the fullness of Christ. Christ who fills all things in all. Now don't just... A little bit confusing, but let's, let's make a bit of sense of that. The church is the fullness by which Christ fills all things. Jump a, a little bit further down in Ephesians to chapter 3 and listen to Paul where he says this. Chapter 3 verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Through the church, Christ using the church to reveal himself, to reveal the wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul says of himself, he's been called to preach the riches of Christ and reveal the mystery of Christ so that God's wisdom may be known through the church. This means, listen to this, this means that God aims to fill the entire world with the glory of His Son through the church. By making the church the display of Jesus, the embodiment of Jesus, the body of Jesus. 
We are the fullness of Christ, the body of Jesus, the display of Jesus on earth. That's, that is, that's bizarre. Like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that you're like this? Like us? You want to do that? Like, you know what we're like, right? Like, you know, you, you know, you know what we're like. It's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not ignorant at all about the church and about what, what's going on in people's lives and in people's hearts. But that is the way that I'm choosing to extend my kingdom on earth. And have people come to know God's wisdom through Christ, through the church. So we are, we are evidence of God's power in Christ. Like right here, living evidence of God's incredible power. The fact that you are redeemed. You are evidence and a witness to God's power, right? Like that's, that enough is, um, is a picture for us. We're evidence how Christ came for us, how he, how he suffered for us, how he, he died, rose for us, and, and redeems us. So here Paul, here Paul speaking to the early church, but hear him speaking to us as well. You know, hear Paul speaking to them in the midst of their trouble and their persecution, and to us as well, despite the hardship and the trouble that surrounds you, you can look to God and see the immeasurable greatness of His power working now already in you, in Christ. You know, despite hardship and despite difficulty, you can see it really clearly in Christ. You can see it today and see Christ's work in your heart and know that He is working powerfully for you. Ultimately, the hope that the Christian clings to is that God will do the same for us that He did for Christ. That we will be risen up after death, out of death like Christ, and we'll be seated in in eternity as well with Christ. Look at um, Ephesians 2, just a a couple of verses on. I don't want to get ahead, but, but listen to this. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Now listen to this. He mirrors our verse 20. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So no matter how hard life is for you, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how overwhelming it is, You can cling to the hope that you'll be reconciled to God for eternity and you'll be seated with Christ. No matter how strong it seems or how weak you feel or how how crushed your soul is, when your body calls it in, you will be raised with Christ and you'll be seated with Him. Now, not only that... If, if that's all you hear, it's like, well, what am I doing for the next 60 years, man? Just hanging out for the, <laughs> till I cark it, you know? Like, what am I doing today? What kind of hope do I have for today? Not only does God give us hope for eternity, uh, God gives us hope for today. God, Christ doesn't just abandon us till we die. Christ uh, is raised 
And if you, if you recall Romans and, and Hebrews, what Christ does as our high priest is he sits at the Father's right hand and he intercedes for us. Romans 8, 33, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He's praying for you. In your trouble, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of life's hardships, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God praying for you. Father, would you guard their hearts? Father, would you, would you care for them? Would you, would you protect them? Would you help them to endure? Would you cause them to persevere in the midst of trouble? Doesn't that give you hope for today? Like hope right in the middle of everything? And more than that, he, um, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. When he left, he sent the Holy Spirit. John 15, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Don't you just love the name? You know, when, when the Bible talks about a name, it talks about the character of a person. You know, and when, when uh, Ephesians talks about the name that is above every name, it's talking about character. You know how you, um, you hear someone's name and instantly things come to mind about them, what they're like. Oh, he's, he's, he's rough. Or he's, you know, he's wild. Or she's lovely. Or you kind of think immediately about that character when someone says a name. Don't miss that Christ calls the Holy Spirit helper. When the helper comes... He's coming to help you. He will, he will help you to endure. He will help you to cling to Christ. He'll remind you. He'll bear witness about Christ. Remember what Christ did on the cross to redeem your heart from sin and to restore you to God. Remember that. He will help you. What does this mean for us? This means that we can trust Him. That we can trust God. We can know that He is good. We can know that He cares for us, that He works for us, that His power isn't, isn't against us. It's not uh, ignorant, but it's toward us. It is for us. And we can walk in that knowing that we're His body, that He is our head, that He sustains us daily, that we can give testament to Him. Did you see the way that the Christian endured in his marriage and gave himself up for his wife? Did you see the way that uh, the Christian endured years and years of pain and gave testament to God's grace in the middle of it? Did you see the way that she, uh, the Christian forgave injustice after injustice? And we give testament to God's power at work in us through Jesus. I'm going to pray for us as we finish, uh, that we might, um, that we're just going to pray just what Paul said, that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened to see the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. In light of the cross, in light of what Jesus has done, in light of uh, securing hope uh, for eternity and help for today, uh, that we might cling to Him, that we might see it,